Well, good morning, Mountain Lake Church. How are we doing? We're doing all right? Well, hey, I'll just tell you, it is a complete honor to be standing here this morning, hang out with you guys. Several months ago, Brian called me and told me that he was going to be on vacation, hanging out. We think it's cold here. I think he and his family are in Ohio, so they're probably freezing to death. But he called me a couple months ago and asked me to be here, and I'm just completely blown away and honored to be here because um, it's just really cool to see what God has been doing in and through Mountain Lake Church Dawson. And, and, you know, it's really cool to see this all happen. Yesterday I had the opportunity, Mark uh, walked me through the building, kind of gave me a tour. Uh, my family and I, we attend Mountain Lake at the North Forsyth campus. Um, and so we don't get a chance to come up here very often. But he had an opportunity to, to walk me through yesterday the building. And I'll just be honest with you, I told him this morning, I walked away yesterday and I drove away from this place a little bit emotional. And I got teared up because I just got to thinking about all the things that God has done in and through this place. And I had the opportunity uh, several years back when I was on staff with Mountain Lake Church uh, to really be in the meetings in which God really birthed this dream of having Mountain Lake Church in Dawson County. And so it's really cool to see um, you guys move from being in a movie theater to now having a place in which you can call your own and have doors you can open and lock and, and all that good stuff. And it's cool to see um, God doing incredible things. And, and what I'm most proud of is I love, love, love Brian. And you have an incredible leader uh, in Brian. And I'm just so excited because from the very beginning, this church has always been about serving others from day one. And I love that about our church. I love this about this location and this community. So it is a true honor that I'm hanging out with you guys today, um, seeing all that God is doing, not just in the building, but seeing what God is doing in and through the people of this community. So I'm excited to be here. Well, let me just be the first to say Happy New Year's Eve to everybody. It's hard to believe that we're at this point, right? Uh, it seems like as, as, as I'm getting older, um, this just seems to be a faster pace of life. It doesn't ever seem to slow down. It seems like the years go by quicker and quicker. Those of you that are adults and have kids, um, it just seems like it just flies by even quicker every single year. So here we are. The last day of 2017. And 2017 might, you know, stir up some different emotions for different people in the room. 2017, for some of us, was an incredible year. It was a great year. You maybe met the person of your dreams. Uh, you got engaged. Maybe you got married. Maybe you bought that first house. Maybe you got that promotion that you've been wanting for, that you've been longing for for a long time. Maybe you entered into a new phase of life being parents. And maybe 2017 was an incredible year. You look back and you, you kind of reflect and you smile. But maybe for some of us in this room, 2017 was rough. It was a tough year. It was a nightmare. And I love this time of year because it gives us a chance to, to reflect, but it also gives us a chance to dream when we get to the last day of the year. So 2017 for some of us was a rough year. And I think we kind of come to this last day of the year with all these different emotions. Maybe for 2017, you lost a loved one. Maybe unexpectedly. Maybe you just kind of got into that situation where it's like, man, they're going to be here forever and this is going to work out. And all of a sudden, God changes the plans and maybe you lost someone that was near and dear to you. Maybe that job that you had banked so much time and effort into, maybe you lost. Maybe you got laid off or you got fired and now all the uncertainties of life begin to kind of crash down around you, or maybe illness hits your family in unexpected ways this year. 
See, all of those things in 2017, we bring to the table today and we think about and we reflect back on and we dream for the new year to be even better and have hope. And I love that because what we're going to look at today is where do we go from here? What can we do moving forward over the next few days as we head into 2018, as we head into this new year, but more importantly, as we build our lives on the things to come? Because 2017, as we turn the page Some of us are ready to turn that page. Others, it'll be bittersweet to turn that page into 2018. In 2018, as we stand here today, we've got a lot of hopes and dreams and plans. And and, and we think, okay, this is going to be a great year. This is going to be finally our year to break through. Do I have any Falcon fans in the house? Right? It all starts today, right? If 2018 is going to be a good year, it starts today. Right? Any Bulldogs in the house? Okay, I will, I will have to say this from the, from the get-go. Um, I'm, a, I'm a diehard Sooner fan, okay? Now, don't hold this against me, all right? Don't hold that yet. There you go. I got, I got one friend. I got one friend in the audience. Don't kick me out early, okay? Because here's the thing. For one of our teams, it's going to be a great year, right? And we wish you guys the best. It's going to be a fun, fun battle. But I say all that to say 2017 is we're wrapping up the year and we're looking ahead. I think a lot of us... Are, are, are anxious, we're excited, right, about what 2018 is going to hold on to or, or, or be for us. So here's what I want us to do. I want you to humor me for a few minutes. I want you to grab your worship guide, and I want everybody to do this. I know that we got the younger crowd in with us today as well, so uh, grab your worship guide, grab a pen, and for the next few minutes, I want, to, I want you to humor me. I want you to do something with me. This is going to be an exercise that I think is going to be encouraging to some. It's going to be sobering for some. And it might even be a little bit depressing for some, all right? Uh, because as we look into this new year and the possibilities that, that it brings, um, I think a lot of times it, it gives us new, fresh perspective. So here's what I want you to do. On your worship guide, maybe in this little section where it says notes, I want you to write down the year that you were born, okay? Write down the year that you were born. And for me, it was 1975, Okay? I know it was a long, hey, hey, <clears throat> Oklahoma won the national championship that year, um, uh, but, that, but that's, a, that's a side note. Um, okay, so 1975, so write down the year that you were born, and then what I want you to do next to that is I want you to write a dash, okay, write that dash, and then what I want you to do next, I want you to calculate in your head, and you might have to do some long math for some of us, I want you to write down the year that you will turn 80 years old, Okay? So for me, I did this the other night, and I wrote this down, and, and I took a picture of it. And so 1975 to 2055, I wrote this down, and I had it on the table. And my wife goes, so is that the year that you're going to die? <laughs> and I said, I hope not. But here's the thing. A recent study shows that the average American lives about 80 years old. Okay? Now, obviously, that's not going to be the case for all of us. Some of us might live shorter lives. Some of us might live much longer lives. My grandmother, uh, when she passed away a few years ago, lived to be the ripe age of 97 years young. Incredible life. And we might have families, members that have lived long lives. But here's the thing. On average, the average American lives about 80 years old. So you have the date that you were born. For me, 1975. Then you have that dash. And then the year that you'll turn 80 years old. And so what I want us to do over the next few minutes for the rest of our time together today is that I want us to look at what might 
be somewhat insignificant on that sheet, but it's the thing that really is all about life. It's the dash. And as a matter of fact, there's a poem that was written about this particular dash, and I want to read one line out of the the poem because I think it really kind of gives us some fresh perspective, and it was called The Dash, and this is what it says. It says, For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash, What matters is how we live and love and how we spend the dash. So as we stand here, as we sit here on the last day of 2017, as we look into having the hopes of 2018, what I want us to look at over the next few minutes is how can we make the most of the dash? How can we make the most of the life, the one life that God has given each and every one of us? And for some of us, We might look at the date and say, 2055, man, that's a long way off. But I'm here to tell you, man, it goes fast. It goes a lot faster than you think. And some of you might be a little bit older and you might be thinking, okay, well, my date is kind of of closing in on that particular date. I want to encourage you that God's got a plan for you. And for every single day that you are breathing air into your lungs, God's got a plan for you. And it's how we make the most of that dash. Now, I'm not normally cheesy. All right. Now, some of you might disagree with that, might argue with me about that. But today, I'm going to be a little bit cheesy, all right? And, and I want to talk about four different things, four different ways in which we can really make the most of our year, all right? And how we can make the most of our dash. And the four different things that I'm going to kind of unpack for us this morning are going to spell out the word dash, D-A-S-H. So I want, to grab, I want you to grab your worship guide. I want you to grab a pen because I think that there's going to be some things that you might want to jot down. All right, because I'm a firm believer that God gave me this this morning, that I think if we were to play this out, we were to live out our lives by these four things, we'll make the most of our dash. All right, so here we go. The first thing, the D in the dash, how we can make the most of our dash this year is die to ourselves. Now, this is a tough one. This is hard. But if we go through life thinking life is all about us, then I'm going ahead and tell you that it's going to be a rude awakening for you. I had the honor um, and really a cool opportunity yesterday morning. Uh, my full-time um, gig is I work for Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So I work with coaches and athletes uh, all the time. And so I had a really unique opportunity, really cool thing yesterday morning. Uh, I went to the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl breakfast. It was downtown Atlanta. Uh, the game will be played on New Year's Day. It's going to be between Auburn and University of Central Florida. And each year they have this breakfast in which the teams, the players, the coaches are all invited to this. And then they bring in a guest speaker. And it's through Chick-fil-A and FCA with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So I had the opportunity to go to this yesterday. And I got to hear one of my sports heroes growing up give his testimony. And it was incredible. Daryl Strawberry, who used to play for the, for the Mets And the Yankees and the Dodgers for a short time gave his testimony yesterday, and it blew me away. Because Daryl Strawberry began to kind of unpack his testimony, and he bought into the lie early in his life and early in his career that it was all about the things that you can can gain from this world, okay? All the different things that you can gather as far as accolades and money and fame and fortune and all this stuff. But he realized about halfway through his life and about toward the end of his career that it was much more than that. And he gave his life over to Jesus. And his life has been forever changed. As a matter of fact, if you know anything about Daryl Strawberry, um, he's battled addiction. 
He's battled all these different things that are just really dark places in his life. And he talked about those yesterday. But his new life in Jesus has now made him an ordained ministry. And now he goes around preaching the gospel. It's incredible. And one of the things that he said yesterday, one of the things that he just almost kind of said as like a side note that I wrote down going, man, that's good. Is He kept talking about one of the biggest challenges of his life. And one of the biggest challenges of his life was his ego. And I don't know about you, but I can relate to that. I think in life, a lot of times we get caught up in, in thinking life's about us, okay? And we go through life thinking that the world uh, revolves around us. Uh, but Daryl Strawberry said, you know, it was the ego that I really had to battle. And what he talks about, just briefly, he said ego, E-G-O. And when you have an ego, you begin to ease God out. I was like, man, that's good. That's good. Because when we have an ego that, that we think that life is all about us, we begin to ease God out of our life little by little maybe sometimes. And we don't even realize it. We look up and we're like, man, what happened? And we all of a sudden begin to realize that life isn't all about us. And, and as I stand before you this morning, you know, as I, now I've got two boys and I'm raising them. Um, man, if you think life's all about you, I'm just here to tell you that, man, you're in for a rude awakening. Life is not all about you. And if we die to ourselves on a daily basis, we begin to understand that God's got so much more for us if we would just get out of the way of his plans and allow him to live his life through us. Listen to what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In verse 5, you can underline it, circle it. These are words to live by this year and moving forward. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Like I mentioned, I deal with a lot of coaches and athletes, and one of the things that I see a lot of times with athletes is the same challenge of dealing with their ego. And sometimes I see very talented athletes, and they think that, that life is all about them. They think that, that, that the world is at their disposal, and they, and they can do anything, and they've got so much talent and so much promise and they buy into the lie to think that the life is all about them. But I always challenge people, and I always challenge athletes especially, that everybody's life points to something. Right? I mean, every one of our lives will eventually point others to something. Unfortunately, a lot of times, and I'll even say this, in times of my life where when I go about my life, there's times in which the, the things that I'm pointing others to is myself. Look at what I've done. Look what I've achieved. When in reality, is man... How much greater is it to be able to point others to a God who loves them, who's got a plan and a purpose for them? See, John the Baptist in Scripture gives us a great example of this. He was placed on this earth to, to basically set the tone, to set the pace for Jesus who would be coming later. And his whole life, his whole ministry, wherever, where he went, when people would come up and ask him, man, who are you? Man, you're doing great things. You're baptizing people. Man, you are, you, you're, you're everything that we've hoped for. John the Baptist's response was always, it's not about me. There's someone who's coming after me that is so much greater. And in John chapter 3, verse 30, 
He says, he must become greater. I must become less. Man, what a motto to live your life by. What a motto to begin your new year with is that he must become greater and I must become less. John the Baptist, everything that he did pointed others to Jesus. And one of the other things that I deal with athletes a lot is I talk about consistency. I talk about uh, routine. And I talk about when you put in the put in the work on a daily basis, you know, you can see some different results that are, that are sometimes going to be pleasing to you. Look what it says in Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 23 verse through 26. It says, then he said to them all, this is Jesus talking to his friends. It says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. There it is, dying to ourselves thing. And take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very soul? See, Daryl Strawberry spoke a lot about this yesterday. And he referenced this verse. And he finally got to a place in his life and his career and he said, you know what, it's not about the things that, the awards that I would win. 1983 Rookie of the Year, eight-time All-Star, hit a bunch of home runs. But man, what good is it if you forfeit your soul? It says, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So in 2018, as we start this new year, how can we make the most of the dash? How can we make the most of the life that God has given us? Well, we can begin by dying to ourselves. It's a tough thing, but it's an important thing. The A and the dash is anchor your life to the hope of Jesus. Anchor your life to the hope of Jesus. So you've heard this metaphor play out millions of times, right? Our life is like a boat in the middle of the ocean, and life is going to bring storms, and they're inevitable. And we kind of have this picture of what are you going to do when the storms hit? And, and, I, and I love this imagery because I just think of having Jesus as our anchor. When, when life gets tough, what are you going to hold on to? What are you going to put your hope in? And I love that song that we just sang about the promises that God has given us through Jesus. That is our hope. My favorite verse in all of Scripture, John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's talking to his friends, and he's preparing them for the time in which he was going to ascend back into heaven, and he was going to leave them. And he's basically talking to his disciples, and he says this in verse 33. He says, I've told you these things so that you may have peace in this world. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, for I've overcome the world. See, I love this because he says, in this world you will have trouble. It's not a matter of if, it's you will have trouble. There will be storms in your life that are going to blow into your life, and you're going to have facing the issues of what are you going to anchor your hope to? Is it going to be Jesus? Is it going to be another relationship? Is it going to be a job? Is it going to be a, a child? Is it going to be something, is something that is fleeing and not, not eternal? Or is it going to be the hope of Jesus? Because the reality is, in this world we will have trouble. But Jesus says, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. A good friend of mine, who's a pastor uh, right outside of Oklahoma City, uh, we went to college together. His name is Jeremy. Um, and, I, and I just am blown away with the life that Jeremy and his wife 
have been leading recently. There's a storm in Jeremy and his family's life that has been unexpected. And here's the thing about storms is that sometimes they blow in unexpectedly and sometimes they last a while. And, and, and what I tell you today is, uh, you know, my friend from college, my dear friend from college, we, you know, I love him like a brother. About four years ago, he lost his youngest son to a heart-wrenching battle of cancer. And the reason I know this is that Trey, their son that they lost, was the same age as my youngest son, Nash. And so I kind of would follow through Facebook, and I love social media because even though we're miles apart, we can kind of follow each other on Facebook and see each other grow up and our kids grow up. And about four years ago, they lost their son, Trey, to cancer. Heart-wrenching. Unbelievable just to see the, the pain in their lives and the storm that they were in the midst of. But all throughout the storm, Jeremy is a man of God and his wife, Emily, who every time people would ask him, how are you, get, how are you getting through this? What are, you, what are you doing to cope? Every single time he would point to the hope of Jesus. And, and he said, we're anchoring our hope to the one man that we know has everything under control. And that's Jesus. Well, a couple of weeks before Christmas, Jeremy's two older boys were traveling to an Oklahoma basketball game roads got slick they lost control of the car and they hit a semi truck head on one of his sons walked out of the hospital about a week ago his oldest son is fighting for his life this morning as we speak and I and I say this for a couple of different reasons because time and time again through this tragedy People come to Jeremy and say, Jeremy, I don't understand how you're getting through this. Man, you've already experienced tragedy once in life. Now you're dealing with it again. Man, this, this has got to be heart-wrenching. He's like, yeah, it's tough. I don't understand it. But our hope is in Jesus. And, and the storms of life, they're going to blow in, and, and, and they're going to they're rattle our lives and rattle the cages of our, of our being. But, but we know that Jesus is good, and he's our hope. And, and, and I tell you this for, for two reasons. Number one, for you to pray for, for Caleb. His name's Caleb Freeman. And I love the fact that social media is blowing up and, and people are really all over the country are praying for this young man to, to, to recover and to heal. And, and, and Jeremy is leading the charge and, and, and starting a bunch of these prayer groups nationwide. And it's really cool to see God already beginning to heal him. But he needs more prayer. But I also tell you this more importantly because to encourage you, that when you begin to anchor your life to the hope of Jesus, you can get through those storms of life. And, and I've never understood those that go through storms and they don't have the hope of Jesus. Because I don't know how they would do it. And, and 2017 might have been one of those years that, man, it just kind of just crushed you. Well, the hope of 2018 is not that it's a new year, but the fact that Jesus is still on the throne. And that he's still in control. And to anchor our hope to that. John 16, you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, this is what Jeremy and his wife hold on to. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I love that. What are you anchoring your hope to this morning and for this year? Well, the S, dash, die to ourselves, anchor our hope in Jesus the S this morning is shine his light. Shine his light. See, the Bible is very clear all throughout Scripture. Jesus 
even in John chapter 8 says, when he spoke to his people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, I love that Jesus proclaims the truth that he is the light. And all throughout scripture we see this light uh, metaphor play out, right? And he says that he is the light, but what's really cool to me is that if you Fast forward a little bit to Matthew chapter 5, and you can read with me. Not only does he call himself light, but he calls you and I, if we're Christ followers, if we're Christians, he calls us light as well. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. One of my favorite uh, parts of a Christmas Eve service, and I know you guys here at Mountain Lake Church did the same thing, is when you light the candle, right? And, and it starts off in a dark room, and you light that one candle, and you, you pass it off to the, the person sitting next to you, and you light their candle, and within really a few seconds, the light begins to kind of illuminate the room. You can see because all of a sudden the light starts to spread and you can see the power of spreading light, right? And um, I laugh when, when I participate in those candle lighting services because it reminds me of a time when I was serving as a student pastor in Texas. Uh, I was a student pastor in a, a church in Fort Worth, Dallas area. And, and my youngest at the time, his name's Braxton, he's our oldest now, was about three and a half to four years old. And we did the same thing that a lot of churches do. They, they get the candles and they say, okay, we're going to light the candle and we're going to pass it around. And all of a sudden, hundreds of people will have their candle lit and it'll be a really cool thing. So we decided that we're going to do that, but we wanted to do it a little bit differently. So we brought all the staff that were part of the church down to the front. And we were going to light the staff candles first. And then as staff members, we were going to light the rest of the audience um, and make our way toward the back of the church. Well, my youngest son, Braxton, at the time, wanted to participate in this. He's like, Dad, I want to, you know, just three and a half years old. I'm like, okay, yeah, this will work if, as long as we can, you know, monitor it closely, right? So we get to the front, and I decide that it was a good idea to give Braxton a candle, okay? And so you, you got to understand, you know, it was Christmas Eve. Man, we're all dressed up. We had done his hair up all nice. He had had really you know, a full head of curls at the time. Uh, so he had some hairspray in there, some, some, some product. And so I, I basically hand him the candle. And I said, Braxton, um, it's really, really important that when I light this candle, you keep that candle really steady right here in front of you as we walk to the back of the church. Well, he's nodding and he's smiling. He's just really excited that he's participating and he's playing a part in this. And so I light his candle and he's very obedient. He holds his candle like this, and, and we're, we're going around, we're lighting the candles, and I don't let him light it. I just say, keep it right there, and we're going to walk to the back of the church. And so we walk to the back of the church, and I'm thinking, man, that, that went well. You know, pretty uneventful, which is pretty good when you give a, a lit candle to a three-and-a-half, four-year-old kid. And I'm thinking, that went pretty good. So, and, and he's excited, and he got to play a part in it. But we get to the back of the church, and as we're walking, he did exactly what I told him to do, is hold that candle right in front of his face and walk. And he did that, and as he walked to the back of the church, I'm thinking, man, this went really well. But when I get to the back of the church, I begin to smell something that's really kind of interesting to me. And I'm like, what is that smell? And I turn, and Braxton is smiling. He's got his candle like this, but his hair's on fire. 
And about this time, his hair starts smoking. All of these people around us start realizing, like, that's our student pastor. He just lit his kid on fire. That's funny. And I'm like, I promise I didn't try to do that. I didn't do this on purpose. And so I, I look over at him, and my, my wife looks at me, and he's got big eyes, and I'm hitting my son like this, trying to put the flame out on his hair that's kind of you know, been smoldering in the back of the church. And, and I say all that to, to just kind of lightheartedly remind us all this morning that we have a, we have a privilege we have a responsibility to carry the light of Jesus to others, right? And, and, and it's so cool to know that, that when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, but then in Matthew says, so are you. And if you're a Christ follower, you have the responsibility to shed that light to others around you. Now, this isn't always easy, right? You're having a bad day. You're at Kroger. You see somebody from afar, and you're like, mm, I know that they're going to come up and say hi to me. This isn't a good day. They don't know what I've been going through. Inevitably, they do come up to you. Hey, they're all bubbly, and you're like, uh-uh, not today. But it's in those moments that we have a responsibility, right? To shine his light to the world around us. My grandfather, who passed away a few years ago, was a uh, police officer in Oklahoma City. And you know when you hang out with uh, your grandparents and you realize that, that, that life is uh, fragile. And he was at the time battling pancreatic cancer. And, and I knew that his life was, was short. Um, as a matter of fact, hindsight, you know, we were having this conversation while he was about 80 years old. And uh, he passed away a few short weeks after we had this conversation. But I'll never forget, it was around the holidays and we're sitting around... And my grandfather looks over at me and he's, you know, when, you, when you've got a, a person in your life that you really respect and value their opinion and you know that that life is fragile and they begin to speak to you, you kind of lean in a little bit, right? And you just want to soak up every little bit of wisdom and knowledge that they might have. And he said, Steve, and I said, yeah, grandfather. Life, he said, is all about Relationships. And you got to understand, for, for my granddad to say that, that was a little bit uncharacteristic of him. Because he's kind of a hard, gritty guy. He's a police officer. Everything's black and white. But what he began to realize at the age of 80, the young age of, age of 80, after battling cancer, is that life is fragile. And that the world that we live in is all about relationships. It's all about taking the light that we have and sharing it with others. And what's really cool about my grandfather and the life that he lived is that for about 80 years, he knew about Jesus. Okay, we talked about Jesus quite a bit, but he was a police officer and he understood that, you know, when you break a law, there's consequences. And he really struggled with the grace component of, 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 of our Christianity. But at 80 years old, he finally surrendered his life to Jesus a few months before he passed away. And I'll never forget those words that when he leaned over, and he said, it's all about relationships. It's stuck with me. And it's encouraged me to make the most of those relationships that I have every single day and to shine his light on those around me. The last, the H, die to ourselves, anchor our hope in Jesus, shine his light. And then the last is something that we deal with on a daily basis that is hard, that we're going to be faced with the minute we walk out these doors. Honor the Lord 
with your choices. Honor the Lord with your choices. Growing up, I remember this fad, this fashion sense of WWJD. Do you guys remember this? Okay. The WWJD uh, movement was strong when I was growing up, when I was going through middle school and high school. And if those of you that are not familiar with it, there were WWJD bracelets, there were WWJD shirts and bumper stickers. And basically it was a reminder, supposed to be serving as a reminder to you to always ask the question when you get into situations that you didn't really know what to do, you'd always kind of look down at your bracelet and say, oh, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Right? And so that was kind of the idea, and I love the idea of WWJD, but really it just kind of became a kind of a fashion thing, and a lot of people were wearing their bracelets to the parties on Friday night, and they were doing all the different things, and they weren't really considering what Jesus would do in those situations, but they had the bracelets and the shirts and the hats and all these different things. And so the other day, we were shopping for some last-minute Christmas items here in, in Dawson County, and we were uh, hanging out at this one particular store, and I looked down, and, and, and it one of these hats that I'm reading, it said, um, said HWLF. I'm like, what in the world is HWLF? Well, my, well, my wife was standing right there, and he goes, she said, well, but that's the answer to WWJD. I go, what are you talking about? She goes, oh, yeah, this is kind of a, a new thing. There's hats, and there's bracelets, and there's different things about HWLF. And I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, he would love first. And I, and I kind of laughed. I was like, that's pretty clever. It's funny. It's like the answer to WWJD. Like years later, it's like he would love first. But I say a lot to say it's like it's, it's, it's a nice, fun reminder to kind of wear the bracelets and the T-shirts to kind of remind ourselves, okay, what would Jesus do in this situation? But it doesn't make making those decisions a whole lot easier, does it? Sometimes we just got to go beyond asking that questions and then honor God in the things that we choose and the decisions that we make. Look what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all the wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to the God, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And then this is what I love, starting in verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If I can encourage you something with something today, as we're about to begin 2018, and how can we make the most of the dash, the life that God has given us? And sometimes it comes down to the daily decisions and what we do in our lives. And verse 17 says, whatever you do, whether it be in word, whether the words that come out of your mouth, or the actions, the things that we do, and the decisions that we make, the choices we make on a daily basis, do it all for the glory of God. And as I deal with, with, with athletes... On a daily basis, I encourage them, you've got an audience of one. Work hard, prepare, do all the different things to bring honor and glory to God. Now, the challenge is, well, they want to please their coach. They want to get playing time. And I'm like, think beyond that and think about pleasing the audience of one. The God who created you, who gave you the talent to play. And really, it goes with life as well. And the decisions that we make day in and day out. 
Are they honoring and glorifying to God? And this verse gives us the importance of really understanding the daily choices that we make. Take a look at this video. When was the last time you stopped and evaluated your life? I mean, really took the time to decide what the most important things are. The sad truth is, most of us don't do that. We just live our lives day after day. But the truth is, life is a series of choices. And the things that we choose are the things that are most important to us. If we don't evaluate our lives and decide and clarify what's most important, we'll end up wasting it. The Bible says that it is the intelligent man who aims at wise actions, but the fool starts off in many directions. <laughs> if that's our gauge of how we're going to evaluate our lives, the sad truth is many of us are going to fall into the category as fools. But none of us wants to live foolish lives. We want to be wise. Therefore, we have to consider the words of Christ, who said that the most important things in life are to love God and to love others. In evaluating your priorities and clarifying what the most important thing is in life, we have to use that as our measuring stick. But we have to choose. God doesn't decide for us that we're going to have good priorities. In fact, Job said that we can choose what sounds to listen to and what taste we want in food, and we should choose what is right. But first of all, we must define what is good. What is good in your family? What's good in your personal life? What's good at work? That is how you clarify what is most important. Because look, when you consider your life, the question of whether you're going to waste it or use it, it all comes down to whether you've clarified what's most important. Because when it's all said and done, your life just a dash between two dates. Let's pray together. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, a new year upon us. The question is, how are you going to make the most of the dash, the one life that God has given you? My prayer for you, my encouragement to you, die to yourself. Anchor your hope in Jesus. Shine his light and honor God with our choices. God, thank you so much for this morning. God, thank you for 2017. Thank you for the highlights, the blessings. And God, we also thank you for the heartache and the pain. Because we know that through those heartaches and the pain, we know that you're still in control. And we anchor our hope and our life to you. God, thank you for this church. God, thank you for the people, the leadership. And God, I just know that, that you've got great things in store. And God, as we walk out of these doors today, as we begin a new year, God, I pray you'd walk with us. With every decision we make, every action, every word that comes out of our mouth. God, I pray that we'd make the most of the dash, the life that you've given us. In your name I pray. Amen.